You're listening to episode number two of Strike the Match. In this episode, I will be talking about apostolic missiology. With that in mind, let's... Welcome to Strike the Match with pastor and missiologist Dr. J.D. Payne. Strike the Match is a podcast that addresses matters related to missions, innovation, and leadership. Now here's J.D. Welcome to number two, episode number two, Strike the Match. Guys, I am excited about uh, this podcast. Uh, the past couple weeks have been great hearing uh, feedback from from you guys, and uh, it's been very encouraging. And so, yeah, please continue to um, uh, continue to listen and uh, share with others. Hey, today I am talking about a topic, about a particular issue uh, that I have um, written about and uh, have spoken on quite a few times over the years, and I uh, thought I'd spend some time discussing it today. I think it's very important. That's the topic of apostolic missiology. Uh, and um, I want to uh, kind of unpack that and talk a little bit about uh, the reality that we in the West, uh, especially in North America and particularly in the United States, uh, are operating primarily from a pastoral uh, rather than an apostolic, a pastoral missiology in the West. And we really need to embrace both of these approaches, a pastoral and an apostolic approach. And so um, so with that in mind, let me just go ahead and jump in and we will we'll get started. So um, uh, one of the things that uh, I want to to impress upon us at the beginning is is just some 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 foundational matters. And and here's a statement for you: as goes your theology, uh, as goes your missiology, as go your methods. Uh, in other words, our biblical and theological foundation is just that: it is a foundation upon which we must build our understanding or our missiology, uh, our understanding of mission missions, uh, our missiology, if you will. And then on top of our missiology, we develop our field methods, our missionary methods, uh, the things that take place in the field. So uh, the, the important matter for us to keep in mind at the beginning of this episode is that what we believe about missions, how we think about missions, is, is ultimately a reflection of our biblical and theological foundation, but also what we believe and what we think about missions, our missiology, affects very much uh, the methods that we do in the field, the things that we do uh, in the trenches when it comes to reaching people with the gospel and seeing churches planted and seeing disciples uh, equipped and, and pastors raised up out of new churches. So with that in mind, let's uh, continue on now that we've got some kind of framework uh, material there out of the way. So in the West, uh, specifically in the United States, how do we think about the church planter. How do we think about uh, that individual? What is the church planter? What is a church planter? In the United States, how is the church planter typically defined? Uh, is the church planter typically defined as a missionary or typically defined as a pastor? Uh, in other words, what direction does the church planting pendulum point? Primarily toward pastor or primarily toward missionary? Uh, what direction does it point when it comes to a general understanding of the church planter in the 21st century in Western contexts? How do most books, how do most conferences, blogs, uh, even podcasts, uh, even church planters themselves, how do they describe the church planter? Primarily as missionary or primarily as pastor? Well, for the most part, the church in Western contexts operates from what I refer to as a pastoral missiology rather than an apostolic missiology. 
the former, the pastoral missiology, it typically develops in contexts where uh, there has been a mature church that has existed over a lengthy period of time. Uh, pastoral missiology understands and engages the mission field from a pastoral perspective rather than an apostolic perspective. Uh, the pastoral perspective must be present in missional activity, but not to the exclusion of the apostolic perspective. Now, let me give you guys a few uh, kind of disclaimers, three in particular, before I move on. First of all, uh, you're listening to a pastor uh, on this podcast. Um, I'm a pastor with the church at Brook Hills in Birmingham, Alabama. I have been a pastor for for many, many years. Uh, that uh, has been my calling, and that is my giftedness, and that's how I'm shaped. And I am not the missionary type. I am not the apostolic type, if you will. And so I want you to kind of understand that from the beginning. This is a pastor advocating for the need within the West for us to embrace an apostolic missiology along with our pastoral missiology. The second thing that I want you to keep in mind before we move on is that when I use the adjective, when I use the adjective apostolic, I'm not referring to a denomination. I'm not referring to someone who's like the Twelve who communicates extra-biblical revelation on par with the Scriptures. Um, I am using the adjective as a derivative of the New Testament Greek word for apostle. Uh, in other words, I'm going that route as opposed to the historical route of using a non-biblical word uh, from a non-biblical language. That is the word mito, which is uh, Latin. Uh, and mito is where we get the understanding of the word missionary. And from that word, we come about with the notion of church planting or church planter. Uh, however, if we take it back to the source, to the book, uh, we find that this concept of church planter or concept of missionary only has the equivalent uh, of, of coming from uh, apostolos, uh, from the New Testament. So I'm using the word apostolic to uh, understand or explain what I'm speaking of here, but I, I want you to understand also that I will still use the word missionary, uh, but keep that in mind that I do prefer the biblical language uh, over top of the historical preference. Um, the other thing I want you to keep in mind is that when missionaries function as pastors and pastors function as missionaries, frustration and problems arise in the kingdom. Why? simply because such blessings to the church, missionaries and pastors, are functioning outside of their callings and their giftings. Missionaries and pastors, they're not the same creatures, only with different titles. Uh, should missionaries be pastoral? Absolutely. Just read Paul's writings. Uh, should pastors be apostolic? Absolutely. Uh, I think the scriptures are clear on these matters. Uh, I may not have the gift of giving, but I'm supposed to be a cheerful giver. I may not have the gift of helps or the gift of mercy, but I'm expected to show mercy. I'm expected to be helpful. And so uh, one thing that I want you to understand is that, you know, what we often try to do is we uh, we try to we, we, we try to, to shape the missionary to be the pastor and the pastor to be missionary. If, if we did this outside of the West and we, we said that's what we're going to do in Central Asia or in East Africa, we, we would have, have a riot on our hands with, of, of people in the body of Christ saying that's just not wise stewardship. But when we do it in our own context, uh, we, we, we find it very palatable and very uh, ex, you know expected. So let me give you... My understanding of apostolic missiology to kind of unpack this, this, this concept. 
So apostolic missiology, it's a view of mission that treats societies and peoples as a mission field should be uh, treated, lost without Jesus and in need for the rapid dissemination of the gospel, resulting in the multiplication of disciples, leaders, and churches. Uh, Apostolic missiology is a view of a mission that recognizes that while the West has many local churches in existence, some 10, 20, 50, or even 100 years or more in age, the structures and organizations of those churches and denominations took a long time to develop. They didn't happen overnight. Uh, Apostolic missiology is a view of mission that seeks to sow the gospel seed into the hearts of the people with the expectation that the Holy Spirit will birth His church in His time. Uh, It's a view of mission that allows for the development and application of simple yet highly reproducible methods that the new believers can be taught to use to preach the gospel and to plant other churches. It's a view of mission that advocates that missionaries are, are never permanent fixtures connected to a new church, but rather they exist only for a season as a scaffold, if you will. Apostolic missiology is a view of mission that desires to see contextualized churches that are self-supporting, self-expressing, self-governing, self-identifying, self-teaching, self-theologizing, self-propagating from the moment that the Holy Spirit gives birth to those churches. It's a view of mission that works hard to avoid falling into the trap of paternalism, believing that the new believers and new churches must depend on the, the church planners, the missionaries for everything because they can't do it right. And it also seeks to avoid the trap of pragmatism. Uh, that is, the, the, the belief that the goal is to get just a church planted by any means uh, that works to create an organization rather than see the kingdom expand through disciple-making from out of the harvest. Apostolic missiology is a view of mission that drives missionaries to reach, teach, empower, and release new churches to the power of the Lord and His Word, like we see in Acts chapter 20, verse 32, knowing that He is able to keep them from stumbling and to present them blameless uh, before uh, the presence of His glory with great joy, as Jude 24 would tell us. And then also, apostolic missiology is a view of mission that drives missionaries to follow after the example of the Apostle Paul. Uh, who never abandoned the churches, even though he was a scaffold, he never abandoned the churches, but he also made certain that the new churches were taught the whole counsel of God, as we see in Acts chapter 20, verse 27, and they had their own elders in place, as we see at the end of the first missionary journey, Acts 14, verse 23, and then also as he would send Titus back to Crete to appoint elders in every town, first chapter there, uh, verse 5 of, of, of Titus. So that is sort of the background of of my understanding of what I'm talking about when I talk about apostolic missiology. Now, I want to spend a moment kind of unpacking uh, how we in the West, United States in particular, how we primarily have come to exist from a exist and operate in a pastoral missiology rather than an apostolic missiology. Now, as I say this, um, understand I'm making some sweeping generalizations here. And understand uh, that as I say this, I'm 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 talking, uh, uh, you know, in 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 reality about the context where the gospel has never has has been has been received by outsiders bringing it in. Uh, the United States was different. In other words, we were colonized, uh, long-term kingdom citizens uh, in uh, European contexts migrated to the United States and brought the gospel with them as they were coming in. And churches were were started overnight, planted overnight in many, many, many cases. However, some of the the the, the shifts that I'll talk about here also apply uh, to a context such as the United States. So, with that in mind. 
as a society moves uh, from a point in time where they were without the gospel to a time when they became saturated with kingdom citizens and and developed a well-established church four shifts four shifts seem to to have a to seem to occur uh, the first shift is a shift from simplicity to complexity so whenever the gospel typically enters into a pioneer area the message the methods the models they tend to be very simple in nature uh, while such is not always the case the mission station paradigm was very complex uh, while such is not always the case many many missionaries operate without much complexity. There is a desire to sow the gospel, teach the believers simple obedience and the teachings of Jesus, and empower them to be the church among their social networks. Uh, such biblical simplicity helps foster the rapid dissemination of the gospel, the multiplication of disciples and leaders in churches. But over time, as the gospel continues to spread and the church matures, organizations, infrastructures, and methods tend to become more and more complex. What began as missionary activity with just a few elements beyond biblical simplicity develops into a highly structured paradigm for ministry and mission. This is not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, it's a sociological reality that most organizations move from the simple to the complex, and sometimes such structures uh, and organizations are necessary for the healthy growth and development of churches. Problems arise, however, when such complexity hinders the dissemination of the gospel and the sanctification of those churches. So, so not only do we see over time a shift from simplicity to complexity, but also when the gospel comes into, the, comes into a context fresh and anew, over time there's also a shift from the apostolic to the pastoral. A developing leadership is needed for a maturing church. That's a good thing. That's completely biblical. What began as apostolic later, labors rightly transitions into pastoral ministry. As the number of Christ followers increase within a society, the need for such missional engagement diminishes because unbelievers are coming into the kingdom. The need for pastor teachers, kind of in Ephesians 4, 11, and 12, the need for pastor teachers to oversee the new churches to equip them to do the work of the ministry, that increases. People are no longer asking the Philippian jailer question, what must we do to be saved? What must I do to be saved? But rather, they're now starting to ask the question, how do we now live as followers of Jesus? And they need that pastoral teaching, pastoral shepherding. A third shift that happens is the shift from an apostolic missiology to a pastoral missiology takes place. So as the church becomes more pastoral in her functions, less apostolic, missions in that society becomes filtered through a pastoral lens instead of an apostolic lens resulting in a pastoral missiology out of which the church then develops any ongoing missionary methods. Is the church evangelistic? Yes, we hope so. But such is not sufficient if a sizable portion of the population requires missionary labors before they will become kingdom citizens. And this is especially true where you have a great amount of diversity among people groups, such as the United States, with the third largest number, at least at this point in time, the third largest number of unreached people groups, uh, a country having the third largest number of unreached people groups in the world, with 360 unreached people groups, Canada with 180 unreached people groups. So where you have a great amount of diversity that's going to require that cross-cultural efforts, or you have a high percentage of lostness that has a, has a radical worldview, or excuse me, a worldview that is radically different from that of the kingdom's citizens, then you're going to need to be more apostolic and less pastoral in missionary engagement. The fourth shift that happens 
is going back to what we talked about a few moments ago, and that is what we think about missions affects what we do in the field, and that is the shift from missionary methods to pastoral methods of engagement in that context. Remember, our methods are derived from our missiology, so if a community of believers shift from a view of mission being apostolic in nature over time, decades, maybe even centuries— to a view of mission being pastoral in nature, then the evangelism, the church planting, and the leadership development methods will also reflect such shifts as well. They will become more and more, the methods that support those things will become more and more pastoral in in their understanding and less and less missionary. A result of a pastoral missiology applied to a post-Christianized context is generally a failure to think and function missionally, but rather with more of a pastoral approach to missionary labors. A pastoral missiology leans toward maintenance and the conservation of structures and organizations. Again, keep in mind, this is a pastor saying this. Such is the nature of pastoral ministry, even for the most evangelistic pastoral ministries that are out there. That's the nature of it. And this nature is a good thing for for a pastor in an established church. Pastors are called to be pastors. The heart of the pastor is rightly aligned in this direction for the sheep. Unfortunately, a pastoral missiology misapplies this good desire to the mission field. It misapplies the good desire to lostness and finds satisfaction in the planting of churches with believers, the starting of churches with long-term kingdom citizens rather than with recent converts from the harvest fields. A pastoral missiology typically wants to maintain and control rather than empower and release others to be and function as the local church in their context. Uh, Kind of by way of the historical analogy that I mentioned a few moments ago, uh, a pastoral missiology may embrace the notion of missionaries being a scaffold, but it wants those missionaries to be a permanent fixture, for that scaffold to be a permanent fixture once the construction is complete. And we know scaffolds are not to remain on construction sites. As long as the society consists of a large percent of unbelievers, or excuse me, consists of a large percentage of believers. A pastoral model alone is many times sufficient for engaging peoples. However, uh, when Western contexts move deeply into post-Christianized waters, such a transition has now created the need for both pastoral paradigms and, as I said at the outset, and a return to apostolic missionary teams. For the church to operate with only a pastoral paradigm and not an apostolic paradigm, it's like trying to fly a plane with only one wing. And we in the West, in the United States, and in Canada in particular, we have been trying this aeronautical impossibility for a very long time. When we look at the scriptures about what is church planting, in other words, what is taking place on the field when it comes to our missionary activities, we've got to recognize straight out that the Bible does not tell us to plant churches. We're called to make disciples. So how are disciples made from a biblical perspective? It begins with evangelism. Following conversions, we're to baptize and teach them to obey all that Jesus commanded. But it begins with evangelism. Uh, Even when we move beyond the Matthean account of the Great Commission and into the book of Acts, we see this model applied. For example, in Paul's first missionary journey in Acts 13 and 14, he and Barnabas made disciples that became churches. They did not start with churches. They did not start with pastors. They started with evangelism in the fields. And only as disciples were made, then did the conversation shift to church. 
Luke records what they did in the cities uh, when they uh, went through Acts chapter 13 and 14. I want to encourage you to go back and read through that. Uh, And in particular, look at what happens in Acts chapter 14 and verses 21 through 26 when they get to the end of their, their, their trail, if you will, and they begin to backtrack. They go back to where those new disciples uh, were found or are found now on this first missionary journey. And it says that they appointed elders for them in every church. So did you catch it? In the, in the scriptures, we see that evangelism comes before the church. Uh, when we see Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians in the first 10 verses, he, he begins by talking about brothers loved by God. You know, he's chosen you because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. In other words, you did not become a church in Thessalonica until the gospel came to you, until you were evangelized and you repented of your sins and you placed your faith in Christ. So which came first, the church or evangelism? Evangelism came first. Out of evangelism comes the disciples made. Out of disciples being made comes the church identified. So we cannot talk about biblical church planning until we talk about evangelism. The biblical paradigm for church planning is evangelism that results in new churches. So with that in mind... The notion of apostolic missionaries, in other words, those that are out in the trenches, those that are out in the fields, they're they're primarily to be engaged in evangelism, discipleship after people come to faith in Christ, and leadership development. Now, what we find is exactly what I said at the outset. As goes your theology, as goes your missiology, as go your methods. In other words, what we find in the West, in the United States is that we are operating out of that primarily that primarily that pastoral missiology. And we've got to keep in mind it's not about planting churches. If our missiology is focused on planting churches, having churches to shepherd, having gathered long-term kingdom citizens together to to shepherd them, then as long as I'm able to plant a church with a group of people who are already believers, I've accomplished that goal and I feel like I'm accomplishing the great commission and what Christ has called me to. I can start churches all day long. We can have great worship music. We can, I can preach great, outstanding, expository messages. I can start amazing small groups. And if no one comes to faith in Jesus, then I will have accomplished my goal if I'm operating primarily from the understanding of, hey, let's start churches because churches are people who need to be shepherded from a pastoral perspective. We end up with more churches? Yes. More disciples? Not necessarily. Now, I hope those churches are evangelistic. But we've got to keep in mind, it's not about planting churches. It's not about the shuffling of the sheep around in the kingdom. It's about making kingdom citizens who will live according to a kingdom ethic in covenant relationship to God and one another as a local expression of the body of Christ. It's out of a disciple-making movement that church multiplication movements happen. So what we have to keep in mind is that when we begin to think about the United States and the Western context that's post-Christianized, that has a mature church that is in need of pastoral ministry, in need of pastors that are being trained and equipped to administrate uh, much complexity, because that's what most of our churches are, even very simple, smaller churches with the structures and organizations. They, they need that type of approach to, to, to ministry, a pastoral approach. However, We also live in a context where three-quarters of the population of the United States has no relationship with Jesus. We have 360 unreached people groups, as I mentioned a few moments ago, and, and we haven't even begun to talk about Canada or other parts of the Western world. What is needed is that apostolic component to come alongside of that pastoral component 
to be able to, to take the gospel into the highways and into the hedges, to see churches birthed out of the harvest, so to see those churches gathered together, and to see those churches uh, have their own pastors raised up from among them. That is what I mean when I begin to talk about the issues related to the West, mission in a Western context, and what apostolic missiology is and what it means to me. You have been listening to Strike the Match with J.D. Payne. You can find J.D. on Facebook or follow him on Twitter at J.D. underscore Payne. And if you'd like to check out more books, posts, and podcast episodes, visit jdpayne.org. You can also subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. And we'd be honored if you would consider rating us or leaving comments. Thanks again for tuning in. We hope you'll join us next time.